All right, guys, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman. And today I am joined by the co-host of the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast and a contributor at thedraftnetwork.com, Trevor Sikama. And he's going to be talking with us about Florida tied in Kyle Pitts and what he could bring to the table here in Atlanta. And I'll be touching upon the Falcons adding prolific kick returner Cordero Patterson on Wednesday. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So guys, you know me, I'm Aaron Freeman, been covering the Falcons for many years over at falcfans.com, R-I-P, Still going strong, however, on Twitter at Falcons, and of course, the host of this world-renowned, preeminent Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode of Locked On Falcons is brought to you by Rock Auto, where you can find amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Just visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. So today's episode features... My conversation with Trevor Sikama, a co-host of the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, a contributor at thedraftnetwork.com, one of the founding members of that website. And Trevor, you know, went to UF, University of Florida. Uh, so I know a lot of listeners may feel some type of way towards him for that very reason. But, you know, he's a he's an expert on all these Florida guys. He's watched every single snap that they've played in the NFL. And so I figured, who better? A draft expert, a locked on host, and you know a Florida uh, alumnus as well as a watcher. You know who better to come on and, and sing the praises of Kyle Pitts in, in case any of you guys are still holding out on you know the value of taking a tight end this high in the draft. So I thought Trevor would be a perfect uh, person for that, and we'll get into that as well as what Trevor thinks could, should, or, or will happen with the Falcons at the top of the draft since, you know, the draft is what he covers on a daily basis, not only on the Lockdown Falcons podcast, I'm sorry, not only on the Lockdown Podcast Network as well as draftnetwork.com. And um, we'll get Trevor's thoughts on that. But, you know, there was also some news on Wednesday where the Falcons agreed to, to terms, I guess maybe we can call it, with Cordero Patterson. Uh, it was reported by the NFL Network. Uh, that you know, former Chicago Bear Cordero Patterson visited the Falcons on Wednesday. Expectations are he will sign with the team as of recording this. You know, shortly after 9 p.m. Eastern time on Wednesday night, that hasn't officially been announced by anybody. But we saw Patterson tweet earlier in the afternoon on Wednesday, you know, that he was going to miss his boys in Chicago where he's played the last two seasons with the Bears. So it seems like it's just a formality after he passes a physical or whatever the case may be. And probably as most of you are listening to this on Thursday, you know, you probably will hear or have already heard that that move is official, at least if, if it hasn't been officially announced by the team. You know, one of the uh, the big wigs over at the three or four letter network have announced it. So the Falcons are adding arguably the greatest kickoff returner in NFL history in Cordero Patterson. I certainly would put him up there. Maybe you can argue Josh Cribbs is on that level with him. Um, you know, this is, comes off of the heels or, you know, not too far away uh, of the heels of, of the Falcons signing the greatest punt returner in NFL history in Devin Hester. 
you know, and I, I tweeted this on Wednesday that, you know, it's, it's interesting that the Falcons have had some of the greatest returners in NFL history pass through Atlanta at some point in their careers, whether we're talking about Billy Whiteshoes Johnson in the 70s, Deion Sanders, and Eric Metcalf in the 90s, and, and Devin Hester, and, and now Cordero Patterson this century. Uh, and that, that doesn't include players like Tim Dwight and Alan Rossum and the incomparable Eric Weems that were very successful returners here in Atlanta, as well as some others. Um, the longtime listeners know that I've had a little bit of a bug up my butt, so to speak, <laughs> about the Falcons drafting return specialists these last couple of years, whether we're talking about Devin Fuller or Marcus Green uh, in recent years. And, and the reason why I, I always said that was just because the value of return specialists in today's NFL is less today than it used to be, largely due to rules and, and the quality of kickers and punters being able to, to better kick away from players today than they used to be. Uh, more touchbacks, more, you know, fair catches, all that sort of thing. But one of the things I always noted about those rants when I was going in those rants that, you know, there were players that were the exception to those rules, like a Cordero Patterson. And if you had a player of his caliber, then he was definitely worth paying a premium on, uh, worth investing in and keeping around on your roster. But, you know, it, it goes to show further illustrating the point I, I've been talking about for, you know, the last five years since the Falcons drafted Devin Fuller when I first went on that rant oh so many years ago, you know, is that Patterson in, in, in terms of the Falcons, you know, they're going to be Patterson's fifth team in the NFL. He's been in the league for nine years. And again, he's arguably the greatest kickoff returner in NFL history. And he's changed teams a bunch, particularly in the last five years. The Falcons will be the fourth team that he has joined over the last five years, which only solidifies the point I, I had made in the past that, you know, even a returner as productive as Cordero Patterson is still deemed expendable by NFL teams nowadays. So it makes absolutely no sense for an NFL team to invest resources uh, in to a kickoff returner, at least a guy that is solely a kickoff returner. If you have, you know, upside on offense or defense, that's a different story. And then you also return kicks in that case. So now Patterson isn't just a return specialist. He can also give you value as a reserve running back, a reserve wide receiver these last couple of years, uh, adding that sort of running back role um, to his mantle. You know, he's coming off a career high 232 rushing yards with the Bears this past year often serving as their number two guy with the injury to Tariq Cohen behind David Montgomery for the last couple of games uh, he also had 21 catches this past year he also gives you value as a gunner on special teams um, and so I think right now for the Falcons you could probably pencil him in as the fifth wide receiver on the depth chart uh, potentially with the ability to move up to fourth on the depth chart, should he be able to unseat Olamide Zacchaeus, the guy currently penciled into that role. Zacchaeus also served as a gunner on the punt team last year. So, you know, you could look at this as an addition to Olamide Zacchaeus, or this could be a shot across the bow for a player like Zacchaeus that, you know, his role may not be as entrenched with this new regime as the fourth or fifth wide receiver as it was on the, on the previous regime. Now, a lot of people I'm sure are wondering, okay, if we sign Patterson, what does this mean for Chris Rowland, who, who was a guy that a lot of Falcon fans are excited about his potential as the team's, you know, likeliest return specialist candidate this upcoming season. Uh, now that, you know, you, you don't have obstacles like uh, Brandon Powell in the way, uh, keeping him on the practice squad. Well, the good thing is for Roland in this case is that Patterson is purely a kick returner. He's only had one career punt return in his entire nine season NFL career. So he's not going to return punts for the Falcons. So 
whether it's Roland, whether it's a guy like Greg Dorsch, or even someone like a Zacchaeus who may now be forced to have to compete for that role in order to keep a roster spot, you know, you can expect one of those three guys probably to win the punt returner job and, and be that sort of fifth or sixth wide receiver uh, on the on the depth chart as well. This does probably have some impact on the draft because I think I would be hard pressed to see the Falcons draft a wide receiver this year, given some more pressing needs elsewhere. And it's, you know, adding a, a, a speedy wide receiver is more of a want than a need at this point in time. We'll see. Maybe they pull the trigger on someone late in the draft. But, you know, I thought what's interesting, you know, this move with adding Patterson given the likelihood of taking wide receiver off the table for the Falcons draft, you know, potentially disrupts a streak that's been going back, you know, several, several years, several decades now, where if you look at the last six coaching changes going all the way back to June Jones in 1994, the Falcons have drafted a pass catcher within the first four rounds of the draft every offseason in which they've hired a new coach. And if you're curious for your Falcons trivia night, who those pass catchers were, you know, you got Burt Emanuel in the second round in 94 with June Jones, OG Santiago third round 97 with Dan Reeves, Michael Jenkins first round 2004 with Jim Mora, uh, Laurent Robinson third rounds 2007 with Bobby Petrino, Harry Douglas third round 08 with Mike Smith. And of course, Justin Hardy in the fourth round in 2015 with Dan Quinn. So, even if wide receivers off the table, you know, it still may mean that tight end is an option for the Falcons. Although it is also notable that the Falcons were apparently in on Samus Reyes, uh, as expecting him to visit with the team, you know, later. Uh, but he ultimately signed with Washington this week. Reyes is a former Chilean basketball player, played at Tulane, like a six six two sixty five guy, part of the international player development program, athletic basketball player, developmental tight end, worked out side-by-side side with Kyle Pitts at Florida's Pro Day this past offseason. So maybe the Falcons were sitting there thinking, you know, well, for whatever reason, we can't land Kyle Pitts in round one. Maybe this Reyes guy would give us an athletic developmental tight end uh, as well. But that's no longer on the table. So I guess the Falcons, you know, are now kind of forced where they're just going to have to draft Kyle Pitts number four over overall since they missed out on Reyes who's now with the Washington team you know I don't make the rules that's how it works you know you either get Reyes or you get Pitts that's how it works so speaking of Pitts we're going to get into that conversation which is why you're here listening today uh, with Trevor Sikama of Locked On NFL Draft and the Draft Network coming up today but before we get there guys I do have to plug the two draft related podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network one of which is co-hosted by Trevor Sikkim. Of course, that's the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, where you can hear Trevor talk every day with his co-host, Ben Solak, about the NFL Draft. They're ongoing guest mock drafts where they're going through the entire first round with great guests like Tori McElhaney of The Athletic talking about who they think beat writers think their respective teams are going to wind up picking. And you can also check out the Draft Dudes podcast where host Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino also give you some great draft insight going through some of the top prospects in this draft. You can find both the Locked On NFL Draft podcast as well as the Draft Dudes podcast on whatever platform you're listening to right now. So one of the reasons why a team like the Falcons might wait this late in the offseason to sign a player like Cordero Patterson is because you're getting a potential bargain on him. And if you're looking to get bargains elsewhere, like if you're looking for auto parts and looking for those bargains at always reliably low prices, it's an even easier opportunity for you because all you got to do is go to rockauto.com. They have everything from engine parts, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new floor mats. You can get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. And the rockauto.com catalog is unique. It's easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle. Type in 
your make and model, and then you can choose by brand specification and the price that you prefer. And of course, those prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low. The same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Just go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck, right? Locked on in the how did you hear about us box so that they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. So you guys know that I have you covered with all things Falcons, but you probably also wonder who's got you covered for the rest of sports. Well, host Peter Bukowski has you covered now with the Locked On Today podcast. It's all the sports news that you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. So guys, it's me, Aaron Freeman of Locked On Falcons, and today I am joined by my illustrious guest. That is Trevor Sikama. You hear him every day with Ben Solak on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, as well as you can check out his written and video content over at thedraftnetwork.com, the best free draft website there is in the world and if you're willing to get those little extra features then you can go to the draft network premium account as i have and i would recommend it to you all just so you can go and do your mock draft simulations and trade the heck out of all those picks trade back six times in the first round as i know all of you guys want to do but with that being said trevor welcome to the show Aaron, thank you so much, man. I, I always love getting to pop on and talk a little ball with you. And it's that time of the year, right? Draft and uh, team coverage, they meet right here on the eve of the draft. And so I'm looking forward to talking with you. Well, Trevor, I wanted to have you on because I know you're a Florida guy. And uh, there's a particular player out of Florida that a lot of people talk about with the Falcons potentially taking at the top of the draft. But we'll, we'll definitely reserve a big chunk of today's episode talking about what Kyle Pitts will bring to the table. But it is an interesting time for the Atlanta Falcons because you hear all this talk about how the draft starts with that fourth overall selection with the Falcons because no one really knows what the Falcons are going to do. We know what the 49ers are going to do. They're going to take a quarterback. We just don't know quite which one, which certainly could have an influence on who the Falcons might be looking at with that fourth overall selection. But from your perspective, what do you sort of see uh, with the Falcons in that fourth overall pick? What's sort of at stake for them? And, and do you have an idea on who they might be taking? Yeah, I mean, what's at stake? You mentioned it there. It's the whole draft, basically, because they have an opportunity to to really dictate what this draft is going to be. There's so many different directions that they could go with number four overall because, you know, they're an interesting team. You look at most teams that are selecting in the top five, top ten, something like that. Normally, they have some sort of quarterback uh, maybe I won't say issue conundrum might be a better word. There's just, there's something uncertain with the quarter with the quarterback position. And man, when you look at the rest of this Falcons roster quarterback is far from their biggest issue. You know, they still have Matt Ryan. I still think that Matt Ryan is playing at a good level and they went and they extended his contract this off season, which now makes it even more difficult for them to potentially move on from him. But you know, you don't pick in the top five very often, especially with a quarterback class like the one we have at hand. So you wonder what's going on. It's a new regime. Anytime that's the case, there's always a chance where a new quarterback could come along with it. They extend Matt Ryan, as I said there, and, and it's kind of difficult to see them really moving on before at least next year at the earliest. 
So you think, all right, well, that, that clearly means that they've got confidence in that, Ryan. But when we were going through our guest mock draft series over at uh, Locked On NFL Draft, we had Tori McElhaney on who covers the Falcons for the Athletic. And she was talking about how you know Terry Fontenot, the new GM there, he didn't necessarily want to extend Matt Ryan. It's not like he was unhappy with Matt Ryan, but he didn't really want to do that extension. He just felt like he kind of had to to make sure they could get the appropriate cap number this season and be flexible for the next couple of years. And so if that's the case, hey, if the GM's not all in on the quarterback, maybe QB is still on the table. And I think that it goes back to what you said. It depends who is there, right? Because if the San Francisco 49ers take Mac Jones, which I want to say I do not think happens. I always thought that it was very far-fetched when it kind of came out. I couldn't believe that people were talking about Mac Jones as the number three overall pick. No way. I think it's going to be Justin Fields, but let's say it is Mac Jones. Let's say in the reality that it is Jones. Well, then all of a sudden, you got Justin Fields on the board. That kind of changes things a little bit. Maybe you get Justin Fields. Maybe they love Trey Lance. I know they were at his pro day, Fontenot, and new head coach Arthur Smith were. So, hey, maybe one of those guys intrigues you enough to draft them here and sit behind Matt Ryan. That, as a theory, makes sense. But on the other side of it, a way to push back a little bit, a devil's advocate from that side of really trying to focus on quarterback because it is the most important position, I have a hard time thinking that Arthur Smith, who is a first-time head coach, would sign off on the team using such an important and high valuable draft pick as number four overall for a player who might not even play for him until the final year or two of his contract as a head coach. I just feel like he's going to want to get an impact player. He's going to want to make the roster as good as he can because it is his job to what win football games. And so that's why I think that there might be a little bit of a split in the building. All that to say, Atlanta could also be a big time trade down team. You know, we saw what the Dolphins were able to get for number three overall. I don't think the Falcons will get anything. I'll, I'll say anything close to what the uh, the Dolphins were able to get, but still an extra first round pick, even if it's only one, that might mean a lot for the Atlanta Falcons, depending on where they are moving back, you know, and the further they move back in the draft, the higher the price goes. And so I really do think everything is on the table for them. And when you talk about what could the impact be with the Falcons at four, they could dictate the entire draft by how they operate and who they draft. Now, I think Trevor, you did a great job laying out sort of the three paths that everybody seems to think uh, that the Falcons go, go quarterback, go non-quarterback, maybe getting a generational talent like a Kyle Pitts, maybe a Penny Sewell uh, or trade back. Uh, I'm curious if if Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot are are calling you up and consulting with you, uh, do you feel like one of those paths is a preferable path uh, in your eyes for this Falcons team? Is it one, you know, a little bit lesser than that, you know, Uh, or or do you feel like what I've been saying on Lockdown Falcons these last couple of weeks? Well, you know, any one of these paths is you can make the case is the right path and it's just really down to preference. Uh, Where do you sort of lie on this sort of threefold, uh, you know, course laid out for the Falcons? So I, I wouldn't hate any of these, but there, there's definitely a hierarchy to, I think what might help the Falcons, what might be the most advantageous. I would probably tell you that trading back would be my number one priority because when you look at Terry Fontenot and you look at his background, where'd he come from? He came from New Orleans. And, you know, what's New Orleans known for on draft weekend? Getting aggressive, moving up and down, finding different picks, finding the exact players that are good for their franchise and making sure they get them on their football team. You have the opportunity here at number four overall to move back a decent amount. Let's look at the needs on their roster, right? You talk about linebacker, secondary, edge rusher for sure. Let's just say edge rusher, you look at this class and you go, all right, well, 
you know, the Falcons could move back middle of the first round, kind of towards the end of the first round, early 20s, and they could still get a great edge rusher. At least that's what we believe when we're doing the projections. And so if you are looking at a situation where this this top of the class, heavy with quarterbacks, it goes QB, 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 one, two, three. All of a sudden, there's a lot of people who still love Trey Lance. You get teams like the New, the New England Patriots at 15, the Washington football team at 19, the Chicago Bears at 20. Heck, I don't know, the Pittsburgh Steelers at 24. All of these teams maybe give you a call, see what it would take to move up to number four. If you take a deal like going back to 15, going back to 19 with either New England or Washington, you're still going to be in a great spot to get a fantastic edge rusher in the first round. And then your Terry Fontenot is going to have ammunition across this draft, the next draft, and maybe even 2023, depending on what the deal is, to move up and down, get flexible for years to come. And I think that that's really important when you look at a guy's background and what might be advantageous to them. So I honestly think that trading back would be my number one priority. If they're sticking at four, I would tell them to draft Kyle Pitts. Julio Jones is still there. Calvin Ridley is still there. Those are two fantastic prospects. But Kyle Pitts would in no way take away from those players, and I think that's important. He would simply be a compliment and almost an over-the-top prize for how good their offense could really be. If you get a couple of good offensive line pieces you know, later in this draft and you make the offensive line maybe a two-year project, you add to it next free agency, next draft, all of a sudden you'd be talking about in two years from now, you still got Matt Ryan. He'll still be, I think, playing at a good level. But then you'll have probably a better upgrade at running back. You'll have Calvin Ridley. You'll have Julio Jones. You'll have a good offensive line. You'll have Hayden Hurts. You'll have Kyle Pitts. You will all of a sudden have the type of offense that can compete where you want to compete near the end of what would be the winning window for Matt Ryan. And so I think that staying put and, and taking Kyle Pitts at number four would be my second strategy. Third, I would say, is quarterback. And it ranks last. Just because I, do, I there, there's a chance that Matt Ryan plays really well and, and this guy doesn't even play for you for a couple of years. And then all of a sudden you're midway through the rookie contract and then it's not as advantageous because you're not playing him right away. And I also go back to this. You know, people love the point to the Aaron Rodgers uh, situation and how it worked out with him sitting behind Brett Favre for a couple of years before he really even came in. Man, it just doesn't happen like that. You see around the NFL all the time, we're so impatient. Teams are so impatient with the process. So much changes from year to year. You don't even know exactly what situation you're looking at. Now, people might fight back on me and say, you can make that argue with Matt Ryan. You think he's all right this year, but what if he has a terrible near near next year? What if he turns into the next Carson Wentz or so? I hear you. I do. It's just he he has not shown that he's going to be this huge drop-off kind of quarterback yet. And that's why I say I wouldn't hate any of these three strategies, but I think drafting a quarterback, unless it's Justin Fields, would be probably my last option that I would have for them in that order. So it does sound like you, you think Justin Fields is sort of the exception to the role. He's just that good that you kind of can't pass on a talent like him. Is that fair? Yeah, I, I really like Justin Fields a lot, and I really do think that Justin Fields is going to go number three overall. So I don't, I don't think that they're going to have the opportunity to take him. But if he is there, I think Fields is fantastic. And, you know, that's all of a sudden a situation where, hey, no matter how much you like Matt Ryan, I think Fields gives you that ceiling, that allurement, that potential to push yourself into what would be the next era of Falcons football. And so I would have a lot of faith in him being able to come in whenever you would want him to. 
especially with that being early. I, I would think that you could move on from Matt Ryan basically at any time. The money and moving the money the way they did makes it a little bit difficult still, and, and there's still that dirty work that you have to kind of work out, but Fields is too good. I, I, I draft him, and I'd be comfortable with him if I'm the Falcons. Well, with that being said, uh, we'll get into the topic of conversation that I really want to pick Trevor's brain on, and that is, of course, talking about Florida tight end Kyle Pitts. And we'll get into that as we continue today's Locked On Falcons podcast. But before we get there, guys, I want to plug the MLB side of the Locked On Podcast Network, where you can find a daily podcast devoted to your favorite Major League Baseball team, including the Atlanta Braves. And... Braves got off to a little bit of a slow start this year, but things are picking up for them and find out how and why that is by subscribing to the Locked On Braves podcast wherever you get your podcasts. So whether you're a Braves fan or a fan of another Major League Baseball team trying to get in on this action as you watch your favorite team go yard on a daily basis, the best way to get in on an action is by heading over to bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. And again, whether it's major league baseball, NHL, NASCAR, FCS college football, or the NBA bet online is the best place for you. And BetOnline's not just there for sports fans. It's there if you're into award shows, TV shows, or reality television. You can get real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine because BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. All you got to do is head over to the website or sign up today on your mobile device and go to betonline.ag, use the promo code locked on, and you'll get a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Again, sign up today at betonline.ag, use that promo code locked on for your 50% welcome bonus. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. And we're talking here with Trevor Sikama of the Locked On NFL Draft podcast. And uh, they have an ongoing guest mock series. And that should wet your whistle uh, for the upcoming Ultimate Mock Draft 2021, which begins next week on April 19th through the 26th on the Locked On Podcast Network, as well as the Odyssey app. And you're going to get expert analysis from local experts like your, like myself, as well as uh, the various other Locked On hosts. And you'll get Analysis from NFL experts like Michael Irvin, Jason LaCamfor, and Brian Baldinger, as well as the greatest one of them all in Aaron Freeman. And check that out. Uh, the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 presented by Locked On and Odyssey on the all new Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. And Odyssey is your audio home for all the sports, podcasts, music, and news that matters to you. That's Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y. So I am joined by Trevor Sikama of Locked On NFL Draft Podcasts. He's a Florida guy. Is it safe to assume that you've seen every game that Kyle Pitts has played, Trevor? Every, every single game. Yes. No, without a doubt. I'm, I, I don't miss a single Florida Gator football game. No, All no. right. So I imagine for you watching Kyle Pitts these last couple of years is a lot like Falcon fans watching Julio Jones and just having your jaw dropping often, watching right. him make the plays that he makes. And I, I think uh, we hear the term generational get thrown around a lot these days, probably too much. But is Kyle Pitts that generational prospect? I mean, I'm not going to say the word generational because here we are sitting here and Travis Kelsey and, and George Kittle, they exist. You know what I'm saying? Like, And when we talk about generations, I mean, we might be pushing the envelope a little bit here, but Jimmy Grant, Rob Gronkowski, right? I mean, like these guys were, they, they all happened within the last 10 years and we've got two of those guys still happening right now in their primes. And so 
I'm not going to say they were generational because we've seen impact tight ends over the last 10 and five years, but Kyle Pitts could put his name in that category with these guys. I think that's the ceiling that he presents for you. And with that being the case, you know, whether he'd be head and shoulders above these guys or whether he'd be right at their level, that's still enough. And that's still a high impact player to draft and to cover the way he is. I mean, the, the efficiency ratings that he was able to aid Kyle Trask on when passing the football this year, I mean, it's just insane. When you look at how diverse he was and how you played him from the slot, from an X position on the sideline and moving him around before the snap in a wing back position in line as a regular tight end. I mean, all of these things were possibilities with Kyle Pitts and he did them very well. A lot of people talk about him as a receiver. Some say, oh, you know, he he's wide receiver one in this class. Well, I'd push back on you a lot there because I would tell you that the kind of the kind of tight end that Kyle Pitts is is even more valuable than a wide receiver one. We just think wide receiver ones are the main focal point of the offense, but we're living in a different age. Football is evolving. We're getting the tight ends involved a lot. And so I think that with Kyle Pitts and what he's able to do with you in heavy personnel, 12, 13, whatever it is, short yardage situations, playing off play action. I mean, he's just such a chess piece for offensive coordinators and especially for one like Arthur Smith. You know, you could sit here and project Kyle pits to every team in the NFL and I think that it would be objectively a good add to a team but Arthur Smith specifically it makes a lot of sense no offense in the NFL played more heavy personnel that's multiple tight end sets so 12 or 13 personnel than the Tennessee Titans under Arthur Smith's calls for the last two years now he comes in with Atlanta and yes they have Hayden Hurst but that shouldn't in any way stop them from adding a player like Kyle Pitts so not only is Kyle Pitts good he could go to a situation in Atlanta with an offensive coordinator who knows how to get the most out of tight ends. I mean, look at what happened with John U. Smith. For goodness sake, he almost became basically the highest paid tight end in football this past offseason. And that's because of what Arthur Smith was able to do with him. So I think you got to have faith not just in the talent for Pitts, but also the people who would be utilizing him in Atlanta. That's why it makes this the potential for Pitts to be the highest drafted tight end in a long time, maybe ever. I, when I was doing my research for it, I didn't go back to the 70s and 80s just because it's a different brand of football, and I didn't really think that that mattered. But over the last 20 years, no tight end has been drafted before number six overall. That happened twice with Vernon Davis and Kellen Winslow Jr. So if he goes four, that's the highest tight end that I can remember. Yeah, I think it's been 50 years. I want to say 1972 was the last time a tight end went top five. All right. I mean, I we okay. Now I got now I got to look it up. Now I actually have to. 1972 NFL draft. I got to see who it is because that's that's what I did. I went back and I was looking last 20 years because football changes so much, you know. And it's just sometimes it'll prioritize the tight ends. If you're talking about football back in the 70s and 80s, it was a totally different game than it is now. You are right. Riley Odoms went to the Denver Broncos at number five overall in 1972. There you go. Good research. Now I'm going to use that little nugget anytime that I do interviews. So look at that. All right. I appreciate uh, contributing to to your greatness with that little (laughs) nugget of of information. But you you talk about how Kyle Pitts is a a great fit in Atlanta. I'm curious, what is your concern about, let's say, a team not like Atlanta takes Kyle Pitts? And, you know, to me, if you're going to take a tight end, like Kyle Pitts is high, you're taking him because you fully intend to build your offense around him, similar to what we see with Kelsey in Kansas City or Kittle in San Francisco or even going back to Gronk in New England. But is there some concern that maybe a team is going to draft him and just say, oh, we'll just fit him in wherever, and maybe he doesn't quite live up to the hype that he's been you know, getting these last couple of months? 
Yeah, I mean, I suppose. I mean, that, that's kind of with every player in the NFL, regardless of position, right? I mean, the guys who are deploying them, who are telling them where to line up and the routes to run, I mean, that still means a lot when it comes to overall production and getting the most out of players. I think the Miami Dolphins are a team that, you know, they moved back from 3 to 12 and then immediately back from 12 to 6 because they have in mind that they've got a chance to go get Kyle Pitts. And I think that they believe that Atlanta has a couple of different options as we've weighed here on this podcast. And if they don't choose Kyle Pitts, well, good chance the Cincinnati Bengals aren't going to take him. We think that it's going to be between Penny Sewell or Jamar Chase, and that would leave Miami at number six. And I think that they would jump all over Kyle Pitts in that situation. So there are teams that are going to definitely want him outside of Atlanta. We've seen that plenty. I, I truly think that, the absolute floor for Kyle Pitts in this draft is number 10 to the Dallas Cowboys. If he makes it to the Cowboys, I don't care that they have a corner need. Jerry Jones is going to pick him. <laughs> That's just, we saw that last year with CeeDee Lamb. I think that they're not afraid if, if a guy that they really love falls to them and they weren't expecting it, they would take Kyle Pitts there. But I don't think that he makes it to 10. All that to say, I think that any team should be able to get a maximum return for him. You really... You don't want him to be, for for as well-rounded as I think he is, I think he holds up well uh, as a blocker, but it's not like he's this big-time impact guy. So if you're going to sit here and you're going to make his role a true all-around semi-blocking tight end, well, then you're just wasting what Pitts can do for you as a receiver. And so even though I think it's fine to play him in line, he is a decent blocker. I don't think that he gets bullied or taken advantage of constantly where he's a liability on the line. You don't want him to do that all the time. You don't want this like even well-rounded half time. He's blocking half time. He's receiving. No, the better value that he gives you is as a receiver. So use him much more in that regard, whether it's on the line or uh, stretched out wide as a slot receiver or, or an X receiver. So that's kind of what I would just say is any team in the NFL could certainly use him in a way that makes him advantageous and worth a top 10 overall pick. Just don't have him sit in there to block all the time. Like, like you clearly see what his strengths are and let those strengths give you return for, for your team. Now, Trevor, my last question is, you know, one of the things that I always look for with is valuing the, the teams that innovate. The team, you know, we, we say the NFL is a copycat league, but it seems like the advantage is for the team that innovates that has the other teams copying off of them. Uh, you know, they, that team that is the innovator gets this significant advantage. And, and when we, every year we look at the Super Bowl teams and we say, oh, be like Kansas City or be like the Rams or be like whoever. And it's like, well, because those teams were the innovators, they were able to get to the Super Bowl and you or, you know, subsequent teams are going to be a pale imitation of that. And with that in mind, I, I kind of look at, it seems like the league is moving more away from sort of the cover three defense that Seattle made famous. Again, another example of what we're talking about where they were able to maximize that defense and other teams that have imitated them like Atlanta haven't quite been able to take full advantage of that. But it seems like the league is starting to move away from that sort of uh, middle of the field close type of coverage to more of those split safety, too high, middle of the field, open coverages. Do you feel like a player like Kyle Pitts, given his strengths, given his versatility, could be an asset if that's the direction of defenses? Does a player like Pitts give offenses a significant advantage if in this sort of a proverbial arms race of offense yeah. versus defense? Right. No, I, I think that that's absolutely the case, and it doesn't really matter – you know, well, I, it, it certainly matters because the, the better coverage, the better you might be able to handle him. But 
I just feel like when I was what I was about to say there is it doesn't matter whether it's open or closed coverage in the middle of the field. I think that Kyle Pitts can do a lot of damage for you because you've got to keep eyes on him. You know, whether you're having your linebackers try to drop deep to take away that middle of the field between the linebacker and the safety level, or uh, you've got route combos that are trying to split the deep safeties and have Kyle Pitts go over the middle, like whatever it is, you just got to keep multiple sets of eyes on him. And that's what makes him a chess piece. That's what makes him this, uh, I think, defensive buster, if you will. I also love the idea of, making him the motion man, right? Because you got to think about it like this. Dan Mullen said it is his press conference after Florida's pro day that Kyle Pitts is a unicorn. And the only way you can defend a unicorn is with another unicorn. There are not many teams that Florida played this past season that were even capable of slowing down Kyle Pitts. One of the teams over the last couple of years that's been able to do that has been South Carolina. And they did so with J.C. Horn being able to follow Kyle Pitts around so they played a more of a man covered shell and they're like okay wherever Kyle Pitts is if he's close to the line of scrimmage if he's in the slot if he's outside I want JC Horn to just shadow him go take this guy out erase him into man coverage how many teams in the NFL really have that ability to do that and then if you take that into the Falcon situation how many teams in the NFL can do that with Kyle Pitts and then be comfortable with whoever is left guarding Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones I don't know if there's any team in the NFL that can really present that. So if you talk about when you talk about Pitts as a chess piece against defenses, whether it's open or closed coverages, you know, if you use him as a motion man, a pre-snap motion guy, whether he starts on the line of scrimmage and motions out wide or goes from out wide into the backfield or just across the line of scrimmage, whatever, getting the defense to flip from one side to the other. You put zone coverage defenses in a bind when you move Kyle Pitts around because they may have wanted one player to stay over him in a certain zone or a certain just keeping guys on him, being close to him. And if you move Kyle Pitts around and they're not willing to move their defense around to try to match him, that's going to be a win for the offense. And you're you're like you're winning that rep basically before it even starts. So. I think that Kyle Pitts and what he's able to do, just the attention that he commands and how, when you think about it, there's just not many defenders. They're not, there's not many linebackers that are fast enough, and there's not many defensive backs that are big enough to consistently cover Pitts. And I think every single week you can try to exploit whatever the weakness is of a defense because we know that defenses, they have their weaknesses. It's basically saying, hey, Here's what we are prepared to give up as a defense. We're almost daring you to do it. We're, we're trying to bet on the lower percentage things that you could do, whether it's throws to the sideline or throws over the middle or whatever it is. They're trying to dare you to complete something that they believe has a lower percent chance of you being able to be successful with it. Hits just makes up for so much of that. He, he gives you the option to, no matter what the defense is trying to challenge you with each and every week, you can throw him at whatever holes in coverage you think it is, middle of the field, outside, deep portions, up the seam, quick hits. What I mean, like, whatever it is, I just feel like he gives you such an all-around game. You can attack defenses in a lot of different ways with him. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think you said it perfectly. And, uh, Trevor, I really appreciate you coming on, sharing your insights into it. You know, I think the sky is the limit as you illustrate in terms of what you can do with Kyle Pitts and, and what type of advantages he can give uh, any NFL offense, but especially one here in Atlanta and, and certainly looking forward to what the Falcons ultimately decide to do with that fourth overall pick. But let the people know uh, what you got coming for them, not only on the Lockdown NFL Draft Podcast, as well as the DraftNetwork.com over these next two weeks as we uh, eagerly anticipate uh, this 2021 NFL Draft. 
Yeah, finishing up the guest mock draft series over at Locked On NFL Draft. It's one of my favorite things that we do every single year. We're having a, a local beat reporter who covers the team on in draft order, have them talk about the team, give us their scope of it from, from covering it so closely, and then have each of them make a mock draft pick and then kind of like collaborate at the end of it. It always makes for a very interesting mock draft at the end. We're about halfway through that. So um, excited to kind of finish and round that out. And then, man, over at the Draft Network, we're just trying to tra- churn out as much content as possible. We're giving you guys our final rankings, our final big boards, and our final mock drafts will be coming to you in draft week, which is only a couple of weeks away. I'm excited about it. I'm nervous, but I'm, I'm very excited about it. You guys doing a, a, a live show as well? We are. Yeah, we are doing a live show all three days of the draft, which I think there will be some pre-shows throughout the week, although I'm not sure if I'm allowed to release the details of that. So (laughs) there's, I guess, a little bit of a teaser, but we're going to be in front of your timelines, in front of your televisions in in a lot of ways that week. All right. Looking forward to it. And uh, Trevor, again, appreciate you coming on and and looking forward to uh, what you have to say once we find out what the Falcons actually do uh, and get your thoughts on that, uh, you know, in a couple of weeks. So uh, appreciate it, my friend. I appreciate you having me on, Aaron, anytime. All right, guys, Trevor Sikama, Locked On NFL Draft, draftnetwork.com. Check him out. And um, there you guys have it. Uh, Kyle Pitts, you know, I think Trevor broke it down evenly. I I don't know if there's much more. I need to add, I think everybody's eyes light up when they watch Kyle Pitts play and they say, Hey man, like what, what could this offense be uh, with, you know, all the weapons that the Falcons have, Look, you know, we just, you know, the the only downside is there's only one football to go around. So someone's going to get lost in the shuffle. Right. And, but it's just going to be, you know, we, we talk about the success of the Falcons offense over the years. They've been at their best when it's a pick your poison type of offense. And, and boy, I don't, you know, I don't know what's the most poisonous thing in the world, arsenic, cyanide, whatever the case may be. But, you know, if if you have Kyle Pitts lining up with Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones and Russell Cage and, and Hayden Hurst and Olamide, you know, like, man, it's the most deadly poison ever <laughs> assembled by, by man uh, at that regard. So I think that's why so many people like myself are, are so intrigued by the possibility of taking Kyle Pitts with his fourth overall selection. So, um We'll see what happens, and uh, I believe tomorrow we'll get back to the quarterback conversation. Maybe uh, pick Derek Klassen. You can check him out over at websites like Football Outsiders as well as NBC Sports. I need to double-check that. Okay, got them both right. All right, both uh, Football Outsiders, NBC Sports, Edge, um, and you can check out his thoughts on the quarterbacks. Maybe he agrees or disagrees with Trevor as far as Justin Fields being, you know, ahead above some of the other quarterbacks that the Falcons could potentially uh, take at that fourth overall selection. You've heard earlier insights on this quarterback class from people like Mark Schofield earlier this week and last week. And so we'll get a different perspective. Maybe it's different. Maybe it's the same. We'll see uh, from Derek on tomorrow's episode. And then next week, I believe we'll start talking about some other positions, maybe not necessarily what the Falcons may address in round one, but potentially in round two. We'll get some people on to share their insights into those position groups. So um, with that being said, appreciate it, guys. Till then.